You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code Vox MMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Hess. Yes, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a somewhat abbreviated edition of Between the Links. And listen, we got the UFC 263 press conference coming up wherever you're seeing this at the top of the hour at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So we wanted to set the table in a fun way. And the press conference is going to have all the tastemakers ahead of Saturday's event. We'll have the middleweight champion of the world, Israel Adesanya. We'll have the flyweight champion, Davison Figueredo. The challengers, Marvin Vittori and Brandon Moreno. Nate Diaz will be there. Leon Edwards will be there. Dana White. It should be fun. But before that, we have our, ourselves an interim title matchup. And let me just say, the stakes are very high. More on that later on. But let us introduce the participants. First, back on the show, he has been victorious here before, and this man is absolutely everywhere. Let us say hello once again to your friend and mine, the great James Lynch. James, how are you, sir? Doing awesome, Mike. Thanks for having me. Happy to be back. Great to have you here. And now we introduce the reigning defending interim BTL champion looking to continue his reign of terror. Another win last week against Jose Young's Mr. Jed Mishu. Making his 28th appearance on the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well. You know why, Mike? Because I don't know if you saw the news. There's some more fight circus news out. You know, we've been talking about the phone booth fight, phone booth Muay Thai. Well, it's not phone booth Muay Thai. It's phone booth Lethway. So, headbutts galore coming at you next weekend from a phone booth. Couldn't be more excited. Oh, man. Well, normally we would... uh lead into this more but we are on a time crunch we're going to get right into this thing let us begin with the groaning and the moaning this past sunday floyd mayweather returned to the boxing ring for an exhibition bout with logan paul and who would have thunk it and went the full eight rounds and 
people were not too happy about it. So James, let us begin with you. I know boxing isn't your cup of tea overall unless unless it's like a massive, massive fight, but I'm sure you were at least somewhat paying attention to this craziness. So what was your reaction to this fight, the attention it received, et cetera? I don't have an issue with the fight. A lot of people do. A lot of people want to say it's bad for boxing. It's bad for combat sports. To me, it's its own thing. Uh, at the end of the day, this is, uh, you know, it's an exhibition fight. I, I almost want to call it a bit of like a pro wrestling match in a way, not that in that it was scripted and that it's its own thing. I don't really consider it a boxing fight like it would be, say, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley, which is actually an official professional boxing fight. Look, Floyd Mayweather, he's there for the cash grab. Logan Paul's there for the, for the clout. Uh, they both got paid. I don't have an issue with it. It had nothing to do with anything going on in MMA or boxing. So all this outcry of, oh, it's bad for the sport. I mean, good for them. If they're going to make some money, they're, they're getting people interested. This is the 2021 version of celebrity boxing. I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't watch it live. I caught the replay. Wasn't going to spend my entire Sunday evening, uh, you know, dedicated to this thing. But I did catch it after the fact. It was fine. It was a sparring match. You know, good, good for them. And also one last thing, like no one watches Floyd Mayweather fights, apparently, because everyone's like uh, expecting some crazy early knockout or something. That's not Floyd's style. He's a defensive fighter. You got to watch Floyd Mayweather fights before you start saying that, that, you know, this was a boring fight. What did you expect? It's Floyd Mayweather. Jed, you were all in eventually on Jake Paul, Ben Askren. You seem to be all in on Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. Were you at all in on Logan Paul getting in there with Floyd Mayweather? Not in the slightest. Still haven't watched it, so uh, my my opponent here, he's got the one up on me. Uh, and when I say still haven't watched it, I, that will be true forever. I'm never going to go back and watch this fight. <laughs> uh, I don't have an issue with it, like, like James. Um, you know, you make money and you're not swindling or hurting people uh far be it for me to tell you how to make money so good for them they there was a lot of interest in this thing we talk we talk about it all the time on the show mike uh this for whatever reason this damn thing passed the mom test i got a lot of phone calls and text messages on sunday from people asking hey what what's the deal with this fight when's it happening and honestly shocked the hell out of me i know that both of them are big names but you know, at least with the Ben Askren thing, like the, the Ben Askren Jake Paul fight, like that, there was some level of interest there because it was it was a guy who'd never boxed before against a guy who'd boxed like twice before and he hadn't actually fought anybody in combat sports. Like there was something there that I at least can see a value in. Uh there was nothing interesting to me about watching Floyd Mayweather, who's objectively a horrible human being. Uh, just fleeced money out of people by boxing against a dude who had never boxed and had lost to like the other guy Logan Paul fought was a YouTuber, right? And he lost. So like yeah. this was just a huge waste and I never I never understood the appeal, but I guess that's why I'm not in the business because it obviously had some and good for Logan Paul. He outweighed the dude by 40 pounds and made it to the final bell by hugging him a lot. Again, I don't actually know that that's what happened, but that is what the internet told me uh, on Twitter when it was going on. So I assume that the internet doesn't lie because the internet never lies. Uh, but other than that, you know, good for them. They, uh, they made some money and Logan Paul is probably going to get to box a lot of people now because he survived with, the greatest boxer of this generation, which is dog shit. He's let's be super clear. Floyd Mayweather Jr. is not the greatest boxer of all time for damn sure. He's not even the best boxer of this generation. So super good boxer. I'm not here to say he's trash, but like the sober quets that we've, we've given him are way too much. And so this whole thing was not my cup of tea. Jed, would it have been better if Floyd just 
starched him in five rounds, like kind of carried him and then just put him away in five. Like, would would this be getting this much attention if the fight went the way like it probably would have had it been an actual professional fight? No chance. Uh, if if Floyd had decided to open up with some offense at any point, like real offense, and try and put him away, I assume he could have just because he's very talented at boxing. And even though he is a defense first fighter, I mean, uh, who who the hell is the dude he cheap shotted uh, and knocked him out instantly? Victor Ortiz. Uh, yeah, there you go, Victor Ortiz. Thank you, James. Um, you know, he can crack when he needs to, and he's fighting against a guy who's not as good as Victor Ortiz, certainly. So he probably could have gotten a finish if he, like, wanted to. Uh, but I think based on my understanding from everything I read after the fact and people talking about it, it seemed like Floyd super didn't care about this one uh, and that this was just a transparent money grab. And, you know, good for him, I guess. James, the big narrative coming out of this is, well, Logan Paul just won eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather, and he's like the big winner. Like he should be, he should be standing on a podium and getting a gold medal and a shiny gold belt. And Floyd comes out of this looking like a loser since he didn't put Logan away when he clearly could have. And to me, I agree with you because this seems to be a little much of a reaction coming out of a friggin' exhibition fight because are we really going to appoint Logan Paul as the quote unquote winner, James, when a, this is an exhibition bout B the rules clearly led to the fight going this way and see Floyd Mayweather, like Jed said, could care less because he just made a whole bunch of money to move around the ring and have a quasi training session with this guy. Do you view it the same? Like, are, are, are we even in a position? Should anybody be in a position to award a winner and a loser of this thing? But who's saying that? That's the question. It's the people that, you know, watch that and literally believe that there's people, you know, Mike, there's people, I, I will say there is one downside to this thing. And that is the fact that the, there are people that watch that and now feel like Logan Paul can go do anything. He can go into MMA. He can go do all these things because they're in that mindset of this is the only fight they probably ever watched. And they're like, Logan Paul, he look, look how well he did. And those are the casual, casual of casual fans that are YouTube fans that saw that and think that, but that's such a small portion. And that's not even necessarily the fan base that the UFC or, or you know combat sports in general is after it's just another sector of fans which is why I think it's its own thing but you know anyone who has half a brain covering the sport or watches the sports knows that there was no winner that fight was meaningless and it's its own thing that's kind of my view on it but yes I you know I talked to Jack Hermanson about this today the UFC middleweight he sort of that's his worry as well is that there will be fans that watch this and think that this was legit when clearly it wasn't there was no winner Jeff, Mike, but there was a loser <laughs> There was a loser, and the loser is well. There are a lot of losers. Anyone who spent fifty bucks, sorry, Casey, uh, probably probably the loser in a, in a grander sense here. Uh, but Nishinazukawa, who's like the dopest man that ever lived, got killed by Floyd in an exhibition, and somehow this jackass YouTuber made it eight rounds. Like that's that's a bit of a tough scene if you're looking back on it. To hardcore fans, yes. But I think the average person, I don't think they even know what Ryzen is, to be honest. If oh, we're they talking have no idea what it is at all. Yeah. But like, to me, yeah. it hurt my soul to think that Understandable. Understandable. got got obliterated. Right. Jet, Jet, if you're Logan Paul, are you just, are you carrying 50 and one posters around everywhere and just eating this up like you just beat Floyd? Well, I don't carry a poster around because I would just, <laughs> sell t-shirts and then i would sell them to all the people who follow me on youtube but i meant if I'd you're logan if you're logan paul obviously yeah i like he yeah. he'd be crushing it right now if you're logan paul like he's gonna make another million dollars from merch from 50 and one merch sales like good for him 
Uh, and he's going to make a lot of money boxing other people and or cast off MMA fighters who see him as a, a big fat pinata that they can beat up until money falls out of him. So, uh, yeah, great day. He he really is the winner in, in all senses. Of the, it's outside of like this athletic like part of it. What do you think, James? Should he Marvin Vittoria this thing and just say I won until Run the day he dies? Run with it, like the like the Chell Sonnen thing. You know, I've never been submitted, right? It's the same sort of thing where you just sort of you know tell people one thing and then some people will actually believe it, right? That that's what you should do. But I don't think Floyd's a loser in this. If you look at the paycheck he got at the end of the day for essentially a sparring match, I'll give him that. They had that graphic up today with Floyd Mayweather, how much money he made in this fight alone, and Michael Jordan's career. I mean, they're different. There's a lot of circumstances there, but still, Floyd's a money. You know, they call him Money Mayweather. He knows what he's doing here. And- and, uh, you know, he's going to support the lifestyle he has for probably a couple more years until we'll see him do it again. He says he's done. I doubt that. This guy's going to be doing stuff into his 60s, I bet. Uh, mark my words. Yeah. Why would he be done? Like, why would he well, stop he doing said this? that? This that's, that's, so what I'm, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because the best They're way like, to get people interested is if you keep lying to them. That's what we should have learned the last, like, <laughs> yes, really probably the last like, five years or so. If you just lie, like, a lot, everything's better. <laughs> like, it just all works True. out for you. Yeah. At the end of the day, friends, stop taking this stuff so seriously. We're just giggling about it because if you didn't like it, would another one of these exhibition fights come down the pike? And guess what? You know it's going to. Don't buy it and you'll be happier for it. But we're going to move on to the MMA side of things in a moment. But the opening round point goes to. Jed Mishu's challenger, James Lynch. James Lynch wow. on the board. <laughs> what an absolute pump fake. <laughs> you almost Steve Harvey'd that. I know. Uh, oh, that, was, that, that was more Ryan Seacrest than, than Steve Harvey. Oh, but. yeah, that, yeah, that too, yeah. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, so listen, I'm just to remind you, UFC 263 live press conference coming up at the top of the hour right here on MMA Funding, wherever you're watching this right now. We are on the road to that event coming up on Saturday. But this past Saturday, the UFC was back at the nearly empty apex with UFC Vegas 28. And, and look, let's call it like it is. It was not the best card. It certainly was not the worst card, but it wasn't the best. So, Jed, we will start with you. I know you didn't watch the boxing exhibition on Sunday, but you probably tuned into this at some point when that show came to an end on Saturday, what was the biggest takeaway for you? Like if someone called you right after the event and said, Jed what was, what was your favorite part of the night? What would be the first thing you told them about? Uh, is this a trick question? <laughs> I think it's, it's, <laughs> it's the positive view of Baeza, like Ponzi scheme and Baeza frigging threw down, man. Like that fight was sick. Um, so yeah, that's pretty obviously, I think the, the most interesting thing that happened, uh, Ponzi scheme got a win, um, uh, over like a really tough guy. Like Miguel is undefeated up till this, like has a lot of promise. People really, uh, project big things for him. And that fight was awesome. And Pons Nibio kind of kept losing there. Like he, he really runs the risk of becoming irrelevant which is a pretty stunning thing for a guy who was you know top like seven or whatever welterweight not that long ago had a lot of setbacks obviously uh you know personally and health wise uh and then when he finally came back took the l and then it looks like okay maybe he might maybe that's just not going to be him he he missed his window but he's he's at least prolonging the option uh with a hard fought hell of a fight hell of a win you know that that's a fight that's probably going to be showing up on a lot of end of the end of the year lists uh maybe not winning them but it, it's going to be in consideration james what do you what do you think I, the fight was great that welterweight fight was fantastic yeah. it probably stole the show overall but was that was that fight your biggest takeaway of the night or did something else stick out to you that was one of them. I think, you know, again, Ponce Nebio showed that you can't just look at one fight and say someone's done, right? I mean, that that's what happened. A lot of people counting him out in the fight with Beza. But um, how about the co-main event with Tybura and Walt Harris? Walt Harris is like one of the most unluckiest heavyweights. Just forget it, heavyweight, unluckiest fighters in terms of what's happened to him. I mean, he had Tybura hurt. He wasn't able to capitalize. He ends up getting finished himself. Same thing happened in the Overeem fight. I mean, you always pull for Walt Harris. You want to see him do well for a variety of reasons, but uh, he just hasn't been able to put it together. And don't look now, Marcin Tybura, nice win streak i mean i thought this guy was done after he got knocked out by augusta sakai and he's gone on a really nice winning streak here uh, he's finally getting the type of performances that people are actually remembering his fights i mean that was something that people sort of joked about was that you know he hasn't been in a lot of like you know notable fights so he was another winner on there i thought montana de la rosa getting a finish finally that was big for her as well someone that had sort of been alternating between wins and losses in the octagon so i mean this is just this, the silver linings of, of a not very strong card overall um you know this always happens the ufc has a big pay-per-view and then the card before usually is not that you know notable but there were a few standout performances and thank god for that beza fight because that really sort of saved the card i thought it's interesting when i ask two different people the biggest takeaway of the night and we don't mention the main event at all but we're going to go ahead and mention it at this point why would we because you know it's you know we're going to talk about it let's talk about go ahead why why? because that fight nobody was shocked everyone knew what was going on augustus sakai is like 
he he is a super unlucky heavyweight not obviously not to the you know links that walt harris is for a number of reasons but like he's unlucky because that man tries so hard he has built a game that like makes sense the pieces functionally fit together but he's a bad athlete and not like tremendously durable and those are the two defining features at heavyweight over anything else. You could be skilled as hell. If you aren't super durable and really athletic, you have a very capped ceiling about your rise. And anyone who knew anything about this knew how this was going to go. Like Yarginho Rosenstrike, not going to be a heavyweight champion probably, but he hits hella hard and he's like nimble and athletic and good in like the respects that matter. And Augusto Sakai went to decisions against 40 year old Overeem and Andre Arlovsky. Like he was always going to get clobbered. It was just a matter of how long. So I learned nothing from this fight and it wasn't all that interesting. I do. Let, let us touch a little more on Jarzinho because he had that fight with Cyril gone it seems like he kind of wants to just get right up to the title picture as quickly as possible. Calls out Curtis Blades after the fight. Does seem to be a popular choice, but there are other choices. So, James, let me ask you, do you feel like Rosenstrike Blades is the fight to make, or should they kind of slow roll Jarzinho a little bit more, let him build this confidence, maybe give him a Tybora? I'm not saying that's an easier fight, but or somebody else at least outside of the top five. No, I think this, this, I didn't even like this fight, to be honest, the fact that he was fighting Sakai and, you know, it's again, probably one of the weaker UFC main events we've had recently, especially two guys coming off losses. So that's why we didn't mention it earlier is because it just was, I remember when the main event was made, I was like, really, that's the main event. Like, you know, both great fighters, but not main event worthy in my opinion, but yes, Curtis blades makes the most sense. Um, I know he's still recovering, I think from the Naganu knockout or sorry, the uh, Derek Lewis knockout, I should say. So it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, he should fight a notable guy in that division. Tybura, nice win streak that he's on right now, but I don't want to see Rosenstrike fight another guy that's, you know, has, is, is like a mid tier fighter. I'd rather see him fight someone that's got a little bit more star power next to it. And that's just a fight I'm interested in with Rosenstrike, you know, cause he's had some setbacks. So is blades though, right? Blades is, you know, great wrestling and has some good wins, but then he's had the knockout losses in Naganu and Derek Lewis. So just from sort of a name value standpoint, and even just, you know, both of their names, I kind of want to see that fight uh, take place next. And I think, I think it makes sense, you know, give Tybro someone else and maybe the loser of some of these upcoming fights here, but I, I want to see blades and Rosenstrike that, that to me is a very interesting fight do you like that one jen is that is that the right fight or, or are you going a different direction not in on that one at all and the, the, not because the fight itself is bad like it's obviously a totally fine fight uh i, I just think that that's not uh, you just gotta look at the heavyweight division right now because making that fight like you need to not match up the top five guys against each other at this point because there's just a log jam like you've got Theoretically, you're, we're going to have Lewis and Ngannou fight in August or whatever the hell timeline was done on that. Assuming that goes through, you still have the ever-present John Jones just jumping the line for a title fight at any point in time. And then you've got um, Gane versus Volkov coming up. And, like, Gane Volkov, that fight to me is a – like, that's a clear-cut top contender fight, right? Like, Stipe's still in the conversation as well. You just have all these names that are – deserve title shots or deserve the opportunity to get that and so if you put Jairzinho up against you know blades if if Jairzinho wins yeah he moves up into three and then I guess maybe you could do like a Stipe fight there I, I I don't know I just think you need to maybe get you need to pump the brakes on matching up the tops of this division let them fight down a little bit um Chris Dawkins is fighting Shamil 
uh, I can't pronounce the name, and I'm not going to butcher it here. Uh, he's fighting that dude, and the winner of that, like to me, that fight makes a little more sense. It's fighting a little bit back in the rankings. It's letting theoretically, if Dawkins wins. I mean, I guess if Shamil wins too, you're letting a prospect build against a, a kind of name guy. And I just making uh, Jairzinho fight, like fighting Blades, yeah, that's what he wants because he wants to get to a title fight. I just think we need to let that ship sail, and he's going to need to put together like four or five wins to get to a title fight, which I don't think is unjust. And so he needs to have another step back before we can start moving him forward, in my personal opinion. What do we do with Walt Harris, James Lynch? What do we do? Because we want to I mean, we, we want to see him win. He's doing everything right. He's doing everything right. He went to Vegas, trained with Extreme Couture. He changed things up. He's with Eric Nixick. Like he did, seems like he took it very seriously. He looked great in pretty good shape. What's like? What, what do we do now? Like I don't think they're going to well, release he's him. Falling at this into point. that category, yeah, he's fallen into that category now. Unfortunately, where you know he's not a contender at this point. We know this, right? Like he's had enough losses now, where it's like he's not in that spot that we think he could be. Yes, there's there's signs of it, but you got to win those fights. You can't just keep getting finished here. Um, at this point, it's a prospect. If Dawkins wins his next fight, Tom Aspinall, you know those those are fights that I think we're looking at for Walt Harris at this point. Because what are you really getting out of Walt Harris? I know heavyweight's an older division, but at this point, I think Walt needs to show that he's even still relevant to be a UFC heavyweight forget being a contender so you know there's other guys that are chomping at the bit you got to win fights I, I think that's the route you go and I want to disagree with Jed a little bit there because I, I don't have an issue with Blades and Rosenstrike because who's to say some stuff can't get moved around here what if Stipe does end up getting the title shot what if Jones doesn't get a fight like there are some moving pieces here that we could see happen I don't want to see a Dawkins fight a Rosenstrike or a Blades right now because they're doing a good job of building him up a nice slow build that's what I want to see because if you throw Dawkins in there against Blades and he gets destroyed then where do you go you got to reassess things so I think I, I'd, I'd rather see like a Walt Harris fight those guys because Walt's obviously coming off a couple losses. He's not in that contender uh, situation. So I think that's the route you go. You do Walt with the prospects and you do Blades and Rosenstrike and give these guys some time off. I mean, they do, it's heavyweight. They get hit in the head a lot. So I don't mind if they're spacing their fights out a little bit. What would you do with Walt, Jed? Would you, would you kind of put him up against a prospect or do you try to like push him far back and try to get this man a, a victory at some point? Uh, that's a tough one. I think I'm I'm trying to rack my brain around an unranked heavyweight because I think you need unranked. Frankly, I think that he he's lost three in a row, and granted, he's shown flashes. Uh, but like he he does, frankly, he doesn't deserve to fight another ranked dude right now. Um, he needs he is still has a number next to his name, and he needs to prove that he deserves that by getting a win. Uh, and giving some up-and-comer an opportunity to take his place. So I think you don't I, – I, I think giving him Dawkins or Aspinall is – one, I think that's a step back for Dawkins after the Shamil fight. Uh, so super not into that. And I think Aspinall probably just runs over him uh, at this point. So, I mean, I guess if you're just – if you're purely just trying to build a prospect – that you could do worse than that, but I think Aspinall has, you can go other routes with him. So I, I say, give him somebody unranked. I'm trying to think of who uh, I would think would be good in that role, but nothing is jumping out at me uh, right now. So give him a little Latifi. Why not? A Latifi just got a win. Oh, okay. Come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why? That's no, not what we want. Chris Barnett. Give him like Chris Barnett. Give him like Chris doesn't, Barnett, that's doesn't the, Latifi train at Extreme though? Anyways, doesn't he do some training over there? Does he? I I believe he does. I know he, I know he has in the past, so I'm not sure if that's that's an. I don't actually but, think that's a great fight anyway. But uh, no. you know, I know somebody, what you're saying. Someone outside the top 15. Yeah. 
somebody outside the top who, you know, a win would, they, they've got some wins. They're trying to move up. I think that's just what you do with Walt. But here's what Tanner you're forgetting Bozier as well. Let, let, let's, let's forget about the optics of, you know, everything outside the cage with Walt. Let's talk about Walt Harris, the fighter. I think people forget this is his second stint in the UFC. In fact, it might even be his third. I'm trying to remember. He's been, he's had a couple cups of coffee in the UFC. So, you know, I get what you're saying. Like, Walt's a great story and, you know, we want to see him do well and all that. But I think at this point, like, you do need to give him up and comers at this point because he's not, he's, he's older. He's not a guy that's going to turn this around. He's not going to be a Jan Blakovich, I don't think. So at this point, I don't think you can give him some sort of, uh, you know, special treatment like, you would say to a Tony Ferguson or something who's losing right now and has done a, a lot in that case. I think, you know, with Walt, he's had plenty of opportunities. He's fought good fighters at this stage in his career. It's about building up other guys on his name. Unfortunately, that's what I think. Yeah. I don't, I want to be super clear. I don't think giving him an unranked fighter is giving him special treatment. I, I think he will lose to that fighter <laughs> um, depending who it is. Like I, I just, I think giving him Aspinall and Dawkins doesn't actually do much for those guys who are clearly, making moves uh and probably like past him and i just don't think you get much of name value for beating walt harris on a three fight losing streak at this point like i think they can do better options and that's why you give him uh an unranked contender who you know that is the signature win for them at this point in their career gets them into the rankings and gets things churning we shall see what happens in this heavyweight division it is log jams but somewhat interesting and uh we're gonna get ready to move ahead to ufc 263 this saturday a huge event in glendale arizona point for round two goes to jed mishu ties it up one to one good rounds that is my point you're not gonna be like actually psych after the fact or anything Nah, you get the point live it up okay good Live it up. All right, so we're less than 48 hours away, and now there we go. UFC 263, two title fights, both are rematches from pretty close fights. We also have the return of Nate Diaz against the surging welterweight Leon Edwards, who has, in my opinion, everything on the line in this one against Nate, who really has nothing to lose in this fight. So there's a lot of interesting matchups on this card. James, we're going to begin with you. We know who's in the headline spot. We know what sells the tickets, what's on the marquee to sell this card to the masses. And all of that is understandable. But as a fan, someone who covers this sport, James, which fight on this card are you looking forward to the most and why? The opening fight of the pay-per-view, Paul Craig, Jamal Hill. Can't wait for this one. I know you guys have seen the videos of their altercation at the hotel. I don't know what Paul Craig said to Jamal Hill, but I love this stuff where a fighter's fired up and there's, you know, some stuff outside of, of the cage sort of leading into this. And it's an important fight. I think the UFC knows what they're getting in both of these fighters here. Paul Craig's had a pretty good run at late heavyweight himself. He's a submission king. He's been submitting everyone in that division. And Jamal Hill is still undefeated in the UFC right now. And I think the winner of this fight is going to start getting those really big marquee names here. And, you you know, I think Jamal Hill is a great opportunity here to really propel himself into the contender spot with a finish here over Paul Craig. So this is the fight for me that I'm looking forward to the most because it's going to get the winner of this fight is going to sort of propel into that nice spot in the uh, in the light heavyweight division here. Uh, you know, Hill's looked awesome. The thing I like about Jamal Hill as well is that he's a guy that you see do different things in the octagon than other fighters. He's so fast as a light heavyweight. He's got good knockout power. Just finished OSP in his last fight. And uh, there's just, again, a good storyline here. It's a good matchmaking. And how's his ground game? If this goes to the mat, how is he going to 
do against Paul Craig. We've never really seen him tested there. So this to me is the is the maybe the most underrated fight on this card. And I'm glad to see the UFC put this on the pay-per-view where you know we're gonna see these two showcase quite well. So that's the fight for me that I can't wait to see. Cause like I said, I think the winner is gonna really uh you know be a household name in that light heavyweight division after Saturday night. Jed, what do you think? Like I know you like to dig deep and do the low-key bangers, and I'm going to ask you, at least for the time being, to hold on to that. Uh, but in terms of like a fan, like when you're looking at this card, you're just like, damn, I can't wait for this one. What's the one that stands out to you? Well, what stands out to me is that apparently James uh, likes to witness murders because Jamal Hill is going to absolutely blow the bricks off Paul Craig. That fight's going to be interesting for as long as Paul Craig's vertical, which will be very short. Uh, so I'm going to disagree with his his, his choice there. Uh, I'm going chalk here, and I don't care because I, like there are good fights on this card. I'm super into the Drew Dober-Brad Riddle, uh, Riddell fight. Like That fight is probably going to be awesome. Uh, but easily the thing that the reason I'm tuning in, I mean, outside of that, I work in the space and sort of have to, uh, I want the rematch, man. Uh, Figgy Smalls, Brandon Moreno, like that was the second best fight of the year last year. The only reason it lost is because one of the four greatest fights of all time also happened in 2020. That fight was bananas and yeah it just happened a few months ago but like i'll watch that fight every saturday if you're gonna say hey you're gonna get one of these every saturday take my 65 bucks y'all like i'm super in to watch that again maybe it's different like maybe both men have you know adjusted their tactics but even if it's not if they just do the exact same thing again that is going to be awesome so very clearly that's that is my choice for the thing i'm most excited about Okay, so we have these two title fights. You just mentioned one, Jed. We also have the main event, Adesanya, the minus 260 favorite. I'm looking at it right now against Vittori. Figueredo is the minus 210 favorite against Brandon Moreno. And the odds on the comebacks, according to the betting lines, have Brandon Moreno as the more likely challenger to leave Glendale as a champion. He's around a plus 175. Vittori around a plus 220. So, Jed, the MMA betting community, along with their money that they're wagering, do they have this right? Would you say Moreno is the more likely challenger to become and new on Saturday? Or do you think Vittori is, has the better chance of, of walking out champion? I think that it is correct. I think Moreno is more likely. I don't want to be clear. I don't think either man is super likely. Uh, I'm a little surprised the odds don't favor Vittori um, over Moreno, given that we literally just saw the Moreno fight and he very clearly lost, but for a point deduction. Uh, but no, I, th I think that's right. I, I give Marvin Vittori very little chance of doing anything substantive against Israel Ad uh, Adesanya this weekend, um, which is in part why I'm not like super stoked on that fight. Uh, I mean, it's fine. It's a good fight, good contender. But yeah, I think Moreno, look, if Moreno can initiate more scrambles, uh, he, he has a chance here. Again, I don't think it's a great chance, but that is one of the things that makes Figgy Small so exciting is he's a violent mother effer and swings baseball bats, but he also just kind of like has defensive lapses and will just sort of screw around at points in time and that can get him in trouble. And so I think Moreno is definitely going to have more opportunity to succeed for Vittoria to succeed. He he's going to have to fight a perfect fight and Izzy's probably also going to have to have an off night. So yeah, I think Moreno is the right choice there. You agree, James? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with Jed here. Uh, to me, it's just that Adesanya is so much further ahead than, than Vittoria is at this point. I mean, the only thing that could happen, and Jed sort of talked about it, is maybe Adesanya has an off night. Maybe that loss against Jan Blakovic affected him. Doesn't look like it. He's looked really calm and collective leading into this fight, including some of the trash talk and all that. And the level of competition, Israel Adesanya talked about it. If you look at since their first fight, the resume of Israel Adesanya since the last time he fought Martin Vittoria is not even close. The Jack Romanson win's probably the best win that Vittoria's had since then. Kevin Holland, you know, good win, but... Uh, Colin came off a loss coming into that fight. So to me, it's like Adesanya is just, you know, he's a powerhouse. He hasn't, he's been undefeated in the weight class at middleweight. So I think he's going to go out there and do it. The thing with Moreno and, and Figueroa is, is that they're neither guy's afraid to, you know, to, to play like a cautious game. They're going to go balls to the wall. We've saw Moreno, you know, he, he didn't give uh, Figueroa any respect in that fight. He went out there and just, you know, threw the kitchen sink at him. He hit him pretty good a few times and Moreno's very durable. So that's what makes it interesting as well. And that's why the fight was so good last time, because most of the fighters that fight Davidson Figueroa in the flyweight division get finished just ask Joseph Benavides twice Alex Perez this is a guy that doesn't go out there and looks to get paid you know he looks to get you know he's not getting paid by the hour because he's going out there and finishing fights so fast so I think the the durability of Moreno makes things very interesting and you know there's a possibility maybe Figueroa gets tired in this one we'll see and Moreno can capitalize but uh yeah both are very um you know I, I think I, I'm with Jed and most people I think the champions will retain but if I had to pick one I think Moreno has a better shot at doing it just because you know I don't see Vittori taking on Sonia down like some people are saying that oh Izzy was exposed Jan Blackovich is way bigger and way stronger than Marvin Vittori I don't think that's going to happen in this fight yeah and he did it in the smaller cage and he did it in the fourth and fifth round so we'll see exactly. if Vittori can can get that far um last thing on this we, we do have to mention this quickly Nate Diaz Leon Edwards Leon massive favorite anywhere from minus 500 to minus 600 most people feel Jed Mishu like Leon is just going to go in there and just outclass Nate. And this is going to be one-way traffic for as long as it lasts. If it goes to full 25, it's going to be a long night for Nate. Do you give Nate a chance at all on Saturday? Like where would you, on a scale of one to 10, Jed, what do you give for a chance, chances that Nate Diaz wins this fight? Mike, I'm so mad at myself because coming into this question, I had my answer and and instead, I screwed it up because I got it wrong. Brandon Moreno is not the most likely, you know, champion to or contender, whatever you want to call it, to to take a championship. It's Leon Edwards because he is going to take the BMF title from Nate Diaz. Insofar as you know, he's going to beat the shit out of Nate Diaz. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Nate Diaz doesn't really stand a chance in this fight. Uh, I've seen a lot of mental gymnastics from the MMA world trying to like. Well, if Nate still can out cardio Leon, like he can't, he can't do anything. Leon Edwards can probably win on the feet if he so chose, though I don't think that's what's going to happen. He's probably just going to take Nate down a bunch and then elbow him a lot. And Nate's going to get cut open and bleed because that's what Nate Diaz does when he gets elbowed. And then the fight's going to get stopped. It's going to be probably very unsatisfying to most people. Uh, but it's going to be great for Leon Edwards because it probably punches his ticket to a title shot and he can, you know, to some extent claim that he's the BMF champion insofar as anyone is that actual thing. Yes. Well, they got to take it. He's got to take it from Masvidal first, right? Masvidal, Masvidal lost the BMF champion with like everything <laughs> he did outside of the cage the last 18 months. Fair enough. Yeah. What, what do you give Nate's chances, James? 
Yeah, I, I, I don't give him very good chances at all. Um, the one interesting thing about Nate Diaz is that, you know, he, he's, he hasn't been finished that much in his career. I think that's one thing that's interesting because I think if Leon gets a decision, that's going to be a tough sell to give him a title shot. I'm I'm in the Leon Edwards camp that this guy should have got a title shot a while ago. He's on an eight fight and beaten streak. You know, it's just he's had some bad luck, right? The Woodley fight fell out. Then he comes back. He's supposed to fight Chimaev three times. That falls out. He fights Blah Muhammad. There's an eye poke. Like, it'd be very Leon Edwards-esque if something weird happened in this fight. I don't want to jinx anything but I just, you know, that's, there's some weird stuff with Nate Diaz and the fact that he's, he's a very durable fighter and yeah, he does have cardio, but I feel like no one watched that Masvidal fight, or at least they haven't watched it recently because Mike, we were there for that one. I mean, uh, George Masvidal put on a clinic in that fight. He absolutely battered Nate Diaz and this narrative that Nate was going to come back is just completely false. Um, Nate is, is not, he hasn't changed at all over the, over the years. He's older. Uh, Edwards, you know, again, hasn't been super active over the last little bit, but Nate, Nate hasn't either. He hasn't fought since November of 2019. So I think uh, Edwards is just going to, you know, he's got the takedowns ready. He's ready to go. Um, and, and I think he's just better everywhere. And he's a true welterweight. I mean, that's the thing with Nate. He's had a couple fights at welterweight, but he was mainly good at lightweight. He's, he's not, he's not as, uh, you know, as strong in my opinion at 170. So Nate may have a chance, but there's a reason he, you know, that Leon is such a big uh, favorite. And by the way, I was looking at the odds. I mean, if, if the line stays the way it is right now, Nate Diaz will be the biggest underdog in his career. Uh, if you look at the odds, even the Connor fight, there was getting more respect uh, in the first Connor fight than, than this one. So I think Leon Edwards goes up there and probably wins a pretty dominant decision in this one a lot of storylines should be fun to discuss we do have our own jose youngs and our own once again sean al shoddy providing coverage this week so stay tuned for that as we move ahead That's to a very busy coward. rest pair of cowards they won't answer the challenge they will at some point i'm sure but very busy week in the rest of the mma world we'll get to that right now but the point for round three goes to James Lynch, James Lynch, up two to one. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, so the UFC, clearly not the only game in town this week. We got PFL 4 kicking off in a matter of hours, matter of minutes as a matter of fact, uh, featuring the MMA debut of Clarissa Shields, which is a very big deal, mind you, and I don't feel like that's getting enough attention. We got Bellator 260 tomorrow night. Main event is a really good one between Douglas Lima and Yaroslav Amosov. We got Invicta. They're back with their Phoenix Series one-night tournament to figure out the number one contender at 105. So Jed Mishu, a lot of MMA action. So outside of UFC 263, which, let's be honest, it is the most loaded of all the events this weekend, and it's not even close, just telling you like it is. Who is the uh, who's the silver medalist on paper? Is it the PFL? Is it Bellator, or is it Invicta? Pretty obviously Bellator. Uh, look, I I love Invicta's one night tournament thing. Like I'm a watch because that's awesome. You you just put on a one night tournament. I'm there. I'm going to be watching. I love condensed storylines and everything about it. Uh, but that is very obviously not better than frankly either the other two cards this week the pfl card uh, a lot of name value on this card honestly it would have been better they had a couple of late late drop-offs there uh but i mean you're still getting a lot of things that 
matter, quote unquote. Tough, tough to ever say anything in the PFL matters um, in like the grander MMA sense. But a, a lot of things that are happening, you do get the debut of Clarissa Shield. So I will say I, I'm not entirely confident that that's like important. Not because Clarissa Shields isn't awesome at what she's done, but the debut of any fighter is just is just never like that important because every fighter sucks for the first like. I don't know, two years of their career. So great that she is coming over and going to make the move to MMA. And hopefully in a few years time, she will develop into, you know, the prospect and the, the fighter that we hope she can be. But I mean, I'm not expecting anything tomorrow, uh, like just straight up uh, or tonight. Sorry, not tomorrow. Cause this is Thursday. <laughs> um, but then Bellator, the Bellator card's awesome. We talked about it last week. That card is like, it's a really good MMA card. The main event is arguably like the second or third best fight this weekend. Uh, like I actually genuinely think that the main event is the second best fight this weekend behind only the Figueredo Moreno fight. And if we hadn't just seen Figgy Smalls and Moreno put on a fight of the year, I might actually just be like, yeah, Lima Amosov is like, that thing is unimpeachably great. So I will 100% be tuning in for that. And the rest of the card's great too. Uh, Paul Daly, always a fun fighter. And Jason Jackson, I, I, for my money, one of the most underrated guys competing in the sport today. Super, super good. Aaron Pico's back. Uh, who else is on that card? Tywin Claxton. Uh, where else? I'm looking at now. Kyle Crutchmer. Like there's just a bunch of like it's it's a very bellator card a bunch of rising prospects with a couple things at the top that are you know really appointment viewing television so that card's awesome and everybody should watch the hell out of it uh because if nothing else you're getting you know the second or third best welterweight in the world will be determined by the winner of that fight so you should all watch it. it's gonna be dope James, what do you think? Because you were on one of the very first editions of the show on the MMA Fighting Iteration, and you answered a question that, like, one of the most interesting stories heading into 2021 was Clarissa Shields. What is she going to do? And now we're here. Tonight is the night that we get to see what she is able to do. So which fight card? I, I know people who follow you know what the answer, like, probably is, but, like, what what what, what do you think sort of is the silver medalist overall outside of UFC 263? Well, yeah, bias aside, obviously we know, you know, my work I do for PFL, but it is Bellator. I, I got to agree with Jed here. Um, I just love this Douglas Lima fight. You know, it's so intriguing to me. Lima is probably one of the most underrated fighters across the board in MMA. Uh, this has got to be one of the best welterweight fights we're going to see this year. I mean, how often do we see an undefeated fighter like Amasov get a chance to fight a champion like Douglas Lima, who, by the way, has not defended his title since October of 2019 because he went and fought Gigard Musasi in middleweight last year. So really intrigued to see how Lima does back in the weight class. Um, you know, he's a, a, another guy you know since Chandler leaving that that is sort of one of the faces of Bellator so really excited to see how that goes and yeah I mean Jason Jackson and Paul Daly take all my money great fight um you know Paul Daly at his age still is still kicking ass I mean we saw that last fight against Hamasi looked outstanding in that one Jason Jackson not a great performance against Neiman Gracie has a chance to sort of redeem himself in this fight you got Aaron Pico on the card we didn't even mention Tywin Claxton's opponent Justin Gonzalez who's on contender series I mean here's a guy that the UFC might have missed the boat on really exciting fight there so to me top to bottom it is the Bellator card. PFL, they had a, a good case earlier in the week when Pettis was on the card. That We lost him to injury. Uh, Lance Palmer uh, is off the card as well. So to me, uh, PFL lost a little bit of luster. I, I am going to obviously watch, and I'm very interested in Clarissa Shields' debut, but 
Brittany Elkin was retired. They brought her back. Uh, you know, she's got a losing record. We saw her fight Kayla Harrison already. We know what's probably going to happen in this fight. And to boot, I interviewed her and she says she thinks she's going to knock out Clarissa. I don't think that's a good idea. I would try and maybe go for the ground <laughs> if you're going to fight Clarissa Shields. So, um, you know, to me, the, the more intriguing card and the, and the card that I would be paying attention to or the card that I think is, you know, sort of more bang for your buck is the Bellator card. And, and they've just, you know, done a really good job of the matchmaking this year. I'm really happy with that. And I think, you know, all the credit to PFL and, and what they've done with the circumstances of some fighters being out but some of these fights you know you got some winners fighting some losers uh, of their last couple fights it's not as intriguing as some of the bellator fights in my opinion so i'm going with bellator but we're just spoiled in general this weekend with some of the cards we got invicta shout out to them love the uh, the one night tournaments that's the way you get mma fans interested is doing something a bit different so i'm all aboard the uh, the atom weight tournament also yes. we both we neither of us mentioned arguably the two most important things. One, Nick Newell's fighting, and Nick Newell is always something that I'm interested in watching uh, at Bellator. And two, we, we we just forgot to mention that Paul Daly he 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 had the most MMA retirement of all time. He did a whole thing. We're gonna retire. He retired, and then like a week later, he's like, actually, I'm gonna go fight Jason Jackson. So See, I forgot yeah. about that. That's how short that was, you know, like it's, yeah, it's got lost in the shuffle. The most MMA retirement in the history of the sport. Other than that time, Tito after- said that he was retired, but would still fight. That too. Yeah. It was after that, like weird withdrawal, like the day before the fight. And then he just posted like my next fight's my last one, but I interviewed him yesterday. Pretty fascinating stuff. Go check that out. And I am sold on Taiwan Claxton versus Justin Gonzalez. Both of those guys sold me on that fight, especially Claxton. That interview was outstanding. Uh, so go check that on the YouTube page. I would love to cover these more, but we are almost running out of time. So the point for round four goes to. Jed Mishu. We are all tied up. It's two to two. What a shocking development. Did not see that. As coming. we get you ready for the knockout round. One question decides it all. Neither of these gentlemen know what it is. They're each going to have 60 seconds to give their response. Once that is done, we'll turn it over to the Honorable E. Casey Lydon. He will render the final decision. Jed, champion's prerogative. Where are we going with this? I'll take second. All right. James goes first. No games, no tricks, no craziness, no doors. I saved this question just for this particular occasion. You kind of touched on it a little bit, James, but we're going to maybe have you dig a little deeper here because we talked about the three big fights at UFC 263. You talked about Jamal Hill being Paul Craig versus Paul Craig sort of being an under-the-radar banger. There's a lot of under-the-radar fights on this card for a number of different reasons. So let's dig a little deeper. What's your deep-cut, low-key banger of UFC 263 that absolutely nobody is talking about that has absolutely no spotlight on it? We're going to put one minute on the clock. There it is. Your time starts now. Hakeem Duwato and Evolve at featherweight. I mean, this fight on paper looks amazing. The UFC's been doing a lot of interesting matchmaking over the last uh, two years, I'd say, where they're, they don't care if they got guys on the come up. They're going to put them against each other and see who the best prospect is. Duwato really needs to sort of break through here. He's had a couple nice wins, but nothing outstanding, right? A lot of split decisions here. Evolve undefeated right now, just uh, you know, coming off some some really good wins here himself. They're young. These are this is the future of the division right here. This is buried on the prelims. It just shows you how stacked this card actually is. But that to me is as good as it gets. 
here. I'm from Canada, Mike. We don't have a lot of you know things going for us right now in the UFC right now. Tanner Bozer lost last weekend. Um, there's a lot of fighters who have suffered some uh, you know some really bad losses, but Dewad, who's one of the you know the bright lights out there in uh, Western Canada, hopefully can go out there and get a win here. But uh, he's got a tough task here in the undefeated Russian, who's uh, you know 14 and 0. But for my money, doesn't get much better than these two featherweights, like Hakim Dewadu and Evolev. Evolev is one of those guys that could you know definitely go out there and really make a name for himself, defeating uh, somewhat of a veteran in the UFC in the Hakim Dewadu. But Dewadu, he needs that type of performance that we saw in World Series of Fighting. Get a knockout. We, we got to see him break through here, and I think he has a good opportunity on this card. All right. That's a great fight. Jed Mishu, same question. Low-key gem on this UFC 263 card this Saturday. Your one minute is on the clock, and it starts now. Look, my opponent's correct. Uh, Evlev, Duadu, that's like a good fight on paper. The fight's probably going to be boring because uh, Evlev is just not an exciting dude. Like, he's not a guy you're going to turn and be like, this is a banger. He's uh, super decision prone, and Duadu is he's just a tough out. So it's going to be a good, competitive, important fight. Not going to be my pick. The best fight that no one probably is talking about is Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell. I mentioned it earlier, but since that is a prelim kind of main event, not going to talk about it. You know where I'm going, Mike? I only go one way, only way I know, heavyweight MMA, Carlos Felipe, Jake Collier. You might be thinking, why would Jed pick two heavyweights whose average fight time is like 13 minutes? Because their average fight time is 13 minutes, Mike. You're going to have two <laughs> big old walruses in there just kicking off the night by slapping bodies against each other like two big old sides of ham getting smacked into each other. It's going to be spectacular, and I'm here for it. Uh, two excellent choices for two completely different reasons, and that's why I love being the the middle chair on this wild and crazy ride. There you have it. Casey lied. Normally, I would waste time running down the MMA fighting schedule, letting the peeps generate votes, but we just do not have that kind of time. So, uh, by the way, I will reveal the big prize for the winner of this matchup after the ruling is read. The stakes are very, very high. We're going back to that. Casey, we turn it over to you. You've heard the arguments. Who got it done? I made my decision. I made my decision. The winner. Big slapping tired walruses. Jed Mishu. Jed Mishu gets it done. Remember, kids, play to your strengths. <laughs> He went to the judges' heartstrings, but uh, good battle. I could do that all day. I wish we had another like half of show because that's normally what we do here. But uh, Jed, before we, uh, you know what? I'm gonna give you your 30 seconds right now, okay? 30 seconds. Uh, you know how this works. Good, bad, indifferent. The brief, Mike. It's easy. Uh, two things. One, nobody talked about it, and I wasn't gonna waste my final uh, talking about it because it's clearly not a low-key banger. But nobody's talking about Laura Murphy, John Calderwood, which is probably going to give you your next contender for Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, that fight might not be the most exciting, but it is arguably one of the most high-stakes bouts this weekend and super worth your while. Uh, but really, the only thing I'm here to say is uh, that Jose Youngs and Sean Alshadi, my, uh, I guess I'll call them compatriots in MMA fighting, though we all know. We all know what's up there. Uh, they're cowards. They keep turning down the tag team title opportunity uh, that me and Fernando Prates are, are offering. So, you know, I'm sorry you guys are so shook, 
come at us though. Whenever you get them, get them, come at us. Okay. Um, I, I will say you will not be facing Jose next week. You will not be facing Sean or any combination of the two. What you have won, Jed, is an opportunity to come back on the show next week and turn that interim title into an undisputed title. That's right. Interim will be no more. This is a huge moment in your career, potentially, and your opponent that awaits you has a message. Here it is. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations to the winner. I'm very happy for you. I hope you enjoy that feeling of winning right now because it's not going to last too long. Just to let you know, I'll be back next week. <laughs> he does it in the gym too, just in, in front of the bag and the, and the balls. Like, come on. That is, that's an intimidating message from our reigning champion. I mean, I call a reigning champion. How many weeks have I been holding down the fort though? You know? So bring it, Phoenix. I'm not sure who the real champion is, the one who's here day in, day out, or not. And notice how she left it open to the winner, okay? So this isn't fixed. There's no bullshit, all right? James, you are the man. I appreciate you coming on here. I can't wait till one day you and I can get out on the golf course and and tear it up a little bit. But you are going to be a busy man tonight. Let the folks know where they can find you. Well, first, check out PFL tonight, PFL's main Twitter account, PFL MMA. I'll be on there doing interviews in between the fights. I know you guys are watching PFL tonight, so check me out there. But if you want to check out all my work, at Lynch on Sports on Twitter, always post my interviews on there. And thanks for having me on, guys. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. We are out of here. UFC 263 press conference is coming up next for Jed, for Casey, for James Lynch. I am Mike Heck, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn. Probably won't take you home, but it might. We'll see you back here next week on Between the Links. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. This is Esther Lynn. Uh, stay tuned and watch the UFC press conference. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.